Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Definitely taking us into the future of now. Bonnie in the house, happy to be here. And we have got a really, really interesting topic for you. It's a word you, our audience who are consumers, your business people all over the world. It's cloud. What in the world does it mean? Is it part of your life? Do you even know it's there? What has it done for you lately? Remember the song, What Have You Done For Me Lately? We're going to talk about that today. But before I introduce my four esteemed panelists who are very eager to share their thoughts on cloud and their predictions about cloud, I have a couple of buzz quotes here that I think you're going to enjoy. I looked for songs with the word cloud because some of them came to mind. I'm going to try not to sing so my panelists don't get upset, but if you want to join in while I'm singing and help me stay on key. Yeah, Chris Aaron is nodding. Yeah, right, Bonnie. Yeah, right, Bonnie. So there's a famous Rolling Stones cloud song. Hey, you get off of my cloud. Everybody remember that? It's got the word cloud. Then there's Carly Simon, you're so vain. I've looked at cloud. No, that's not the one. Clouds in my coffee. Clouds in my coffee. It was the name of her album. And clouds was not necessarily a good thing in you're so vain. And then the Joni Mitchell song. I've looked at clouds from both sides now, up and down, and still somehow it's clouds illusion, I recall. We're going to get kicked off of LinkedIn because I'm singing. I really don't know clouds at all. So we're here to talk about clouds. Now, I have a quote from a news website in Australia. Listen to this. One of the interesting things about the cloud is how it has quietly pervaded most people's lives. Australians have used the cloud for years now, and they still are not aware of it. At this point, cloud has moved beyond the cool phase to something everyone is using. Yet they found, the Australia Bureau of Statistics noted, 20% of all companies operating in Australia utilized paid cloud, less than 20%. So it's still not something businesses there are embracing. We're not talking about businesses, but I thought that was interesting. One more point here. The term cloud computing was coined in 1996 in a compact internal document. And the origin of the word cloud computing came from the practice of using drawings of stylized clouds to denote networks in diagrams of computing systems. So there. So we have a wonderful panel today. We have Sarah Lottman. You can wave your raise your hand and wave Sarah at Deloitte. We have Chris Aaron at SAP. Hello, Chris almost a regular guest on all of my shows. Sarah is too. We have Vipin V. We've shortened his last name. He said, Bonnie, I want to make it real easy for you today, finally. And we have a newcomer to my shows, Medu Angara. Medu, wave hello. And we're going to ask them for their take on the future of the cloud. What has it done for you lately? And what is it going to do for you in the future? So welcome, 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 Bonnie in the house. Thrilled to be here. Hello, everybody wave hello to LinkedIn. Everybody wave hello to Facebook. We're so happy to be coming to you live. And an audio hello to the global audience on Voice America Business Channel. And a shout out to my co-producer, Ryan Treasure, VP of Operations at Voice America. Sarah Lottman, you're up first. So happy to see you again. You were on a show with me a couple weeks ago. And you raised your hand and said, I'd like to be on a show talking about cloud. So here we are. 
Sarah, would you do me the honor, please, of reintroducing yourself to our audience? Take about three minutes. What do you do? And what's your passion for talking about cloud? Sarah, welcome. Absolutely. Thanks, Bonnie. Excited to be here. My name is Sarah Lottman. I'm with Deloitte Consulting, and I've been involved in cloud technology really my entire career. I work closely with companies and organizations looking to transform their ERP systems to a modernized cloud landscape. And I would say I've always been passionate about seeing companies be successful in adopting new technologies. Pretty early on in my career, I was involved in a project to create mobile applications for a company to drive the supply chain on the shop floor, uh, which was currently running a manual paper process. And I'll never forget how grateful the end users were uh, having the capacity to scan products using a mobile device. And it really automated the inventory and cost allocation process. And from then on, I've been hooked on working with uh, businesses to modernize, update their legacy ERP platforms using cloud technologies and just seeing and visualizing the large scale benefits that moving to the cloud brings. Thank you very much, Sarah. Do your clients, your customers as human beings, as people, not as clients and customers, do they say, wow, cloud's really cool. I know what it's doing for me personally. Do you get that level of, yeah, I get it from them? Yeah, absolutely. I do. Um, The current customer and the people I'm working with uh, have expressed interest in, you know, being able to look at things like RPA to automate a business process. And they get super excited when they see, oh, wait, this little bot can run here and it'll automate an entire process. So very exciting. And the people are excited about it. And that brings to mind the song, quote, from Joni Mitchell. I've looked at clouds from both sides now, right? From the business side and from the consumer side. Thank you, Sarah. We really appreciate that. Chris Aaron, welcome back. It's been been a minute, as they like to say on the radio. So Chris, would you please reintroduce yourself to my audience? Take a few minutes and tell us what's your passion for the cloud. And and in terms of the B2C, what does it mean to you in terms of convenience and, and the excitement that Sarah expressed? Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, so like Sarah, you know, joined the workforce, you know, in the mid 90s, right, when Compaq was inventing the cloud, <laughs> or at least the term. And and I think about the last 20 so years, right, the, the growth of the smartphone and like Sarah was talking about there, the, the use of mo- mobility. So, yeah, I've always had a passion for technology coming out of college. You know, I was building mobile networks in the U.K., moved to the States, you know, 20 odd years ago. And, you know, you look at how our daily work lives, our consumer lives have changed, you know, you look at your, your smartphone, right? All the apps we have, you know, things like Spotify and all trails. And, you know, I'm looking at my device all the time and all of that is powered by the cloud, right? Essentially the cloud is giving you that centralized computer processing and also access to new technologies like AI and machine learning. And so, I think what's great about it is that it just makes it really easy, right? You as the consumer, you don't need to know all the complexities of the cloud. You just hit that icon, open Spotify, you start playing music or YouTube, play those videos, right? All of that is running on the cloud. And so, yeah, it's a pleasure 
um, on my work life, yeah, to work with customers on the bleeding edge of innovation or the cutting edge of innovation and helping drive those new technologies. But then as a consumer, right, it just makes my life so easy. And um, yeah, I feel myself very fortunate that we're living in this this time now, right, where everything is so easy and you don't even have to think anymore. So yeah, I don't know what the future holds. Maybe we'll just be you know, zombies, right? But um, right now we're living in this great uh, era where everything's easy and they're at the click of a button. Chris, we're going to be smart zombies. That's what we're going to be. And okay. and I know that uh, if you if you think you you've heard a quote or if you think you know something about an actor or a movie, you just put in a couple of letters of a key word and the intuitiveness of, of the search engines just brings it up. You don't really need to do too much. And I that's what amazes me is that it to me it's boosting the opportunities that cloud is bringing in terms of instantaneous connectivity and bringing us services and knowledge base that we used to have to go to the library. I know what's a library. I don't know if kids even know what a library is anymore. I know we still have them. <laughs> Never mind. We'll go there some other time. I have to do a show on the future of libraries and technology. Just realized that. Thank you, Chris. Vip and V, so happy to see you. Welcome back. It's been a little while since we've been on radio together. Would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself and what's your passion for? Uh, absolutely. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, this is Vip and here from SAP. Um, so, I uh, just want to add on what what Sarah and, and Chris said, and on a work-life balance, my my career has been pretty much streamed on uh, or streamlined on the cloud technologies, and it's it's really a satisfying experience to get uh, you know to work with people and and uh, get them uh, on board to the cutting edge technologies. But for me, cloud as, as such is a passion because it, it has helped improve my personal life. You know, my personal my personal life in, in multiple ways. Like my movie watching experience, my movie streaming experience has, has tremendously improved. I can't imagine getting through a lockdown situation without having Netflix or or Amazon Prime behind me. Yeah, I mean uh, it would have been really tough. Uh, it would have been uh, the the social network, right? I mean when we were especially in the lockdown phase, we were not asked to allow. Uh, keep in touch with friends physically. Social networks definitely did help keep in touch with the friends in, in some way, you know, to to, co- to contact with them, uh, uh, engage with them. And my biggest experience, or the biggest thing that I would always cherish, you know, and, and I wish I would have been there, is you know, the storage experiences, right? I remember the time when uh, we had changed our storage from the old uh, floppy disk. I don't know how many remember that. Yes. Then it went, it went from floppy to a CD burning experience. And then to a pen drive, and now to share a document, it is just put on the cloud. You know, put somewhere on the cloud. I just wish it was there during my, uh, you know, uh, thesis writing decision phase in my college, where I could just do that and not run behind and see, you know, where where could I find a CD drive burning experience <laughs> or maybe a floppy burning experience to put my document and share that experience. So personally, you know, these these have definitely uh, enhanced uh, enhanced my uh, quality of life. You know, in 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 way of more more ways than imaginable. So. That's that's my passion for the cloud, and and I'm really looking forward to know you know how this where this technology will take us uh, in the future, and you know how it can still help us improve from where we are now. So that that has always been a passion, a personal passion, more than, and also, of course, uh, not to mention on a work life as well. Vipin, thank you. Do you still have any floppy disks around? No, I I lost all of them. I I, I still wish I, I could find one and keep it for my library archives. 
Well, I, I still have green bar paper from when I was a programmer analyst back in the late 70s, and I have my COBOL handbook from when I was coding. <laughs> and, and I was recently on, uh, Sarah, you'll get a kick out of this. I was the, the opening speaker on International uh, Women's Day, March 8th, for the organization Women in Big Data. And I gave a little presentation to the young people who weren't even alive when I was coding, and I showed them what a key punch deck looked like and what, I'm going way back, kids, and and they were just what? That was a computer. That was a yeah. It was just amazing. So Vip and I remember the floppies. I remember getting the little AOL discs in the mail. Remember that for early? Maybe you don't. I do. I was an early adopter of AOL email, and my neighbors used to come into my apartment, and I'd say, "Listen to this. Listen, go do 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 do, and you're connected. You've got mail." And they said, "What is that, Bonnie?" And I say, "That's email. That's the internet. What is it?" I think I was the only one in my building who had a computer at that point. <laughs> I had to secretly rewire my apartment to support the computer system because I was blowing out the fuses in the whole first floor of the building because I, wow. <laughs> never mind, I shouldn't admit that in public. Let's go to our new guest, Madhu. I think you get the drift of how this works. Madhu Angara, so happy to meet you. Would you please do me and the guests and our audience the honor of introducing yourself? Tell us who you are and a little bit about your passion for the cloud. Welcome. Madhu. Hi, uh, thanks, Bonnie. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is uh, Madhu Angara, and I'm with uh, Deloitte Consulting. I've been with Deloitte Consulting for the past 18 years. So uh, uh, we've been, uh, or we always help the clients embark the digital transformations in the cloud space, not just in the cloud space, but even in the on-premise systems and so on. Uh, our everyday focus is to kind of work with the clients to help them solve their business issues and trying to keep it simple, you know, not to complicate their lives, but to keep it simple with the best of the breed solutions out there in the market. So I, I'm passionate about all these technologies, which kind of peel out all these technical complexities and serve technology like a dessert for any two-year-old can you know, start using it. I started, uh, you know, not to pile on to what uh, all of you have said, but, in the, uh, you know, I started my career in the early 2000s and, you know, I was a Visual Basic developer. I don't know if anybody even remembers that, but, um, you know, we started developing few applications for the call center associates to make their life easier by providing information they need while they take a call. So, uh, you know, when we built these applications, these were like huge, heavy applications, which we had to put on a CD drive. Again, uh, going back to your reference of a floppy disk, I know what floppy disk is, but we use CD drives for the most part. And to install these applications, get these systems running, it was a nightmare. Now, the reason why I try or bring up this point is just looking back from where I started to where we are right now, where today I'm able to spin up an enterprise level hardware or a software solution with just a few button click. You know, you subscribe to a service, and I'm ready to let my organization go live in just a matter of few minutes. You know, that we've come so far in terms of technology and the way this is going on, you know, it, it feels like we've moved from ice age into cloud age and I don't know what age will come next. So I'm looking forward for the exciting times ahead. And when I talk to my kids about what I did, had as a technology and then what they're doing right now, it's, it's, it's an amazing, you know, it is. Thank you, Madhu. I, I want to thank you all for the perspective and the retrospective of where we've come from and where we are. And in my quote from that news website from Australia, they said, 
Most people are using it, they're benefiting from it, and they have no idea that cloud is, it's not just embedded in our lives, it's our, can I say it's our infrastructure? Sarah, would that be a good comment that cloud is the infrastructure of how we all live today? Is that fair? Absolutely. I think that's a fair assessment, Bonnie, for sure. It's fair whether people know it or not. That's another good Mm -hmm. point. Yep. Okay. So now it's time. My guests have sent me movie, TV character, or song quotes that have nothing to do with our topic. And they're going to explain in their own words why they picked the quote and what they think it does have to do with the topic. So Sarah Lottman has sent us a wonderful quote from Dorothy Gale, the character played by Judy Garland, to Toto. And by the way, Toto was her dog played by a real dog named Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, who was that female cane terrier owned by a gentleman named Carl Spitz. I didn't know who Toto was. So Toto was a real dog with a trainer. The movie, of course, The Wizard of Oz, 1939. Oh my, oh my, none of us were around, but we the movie's still here, which is interesting. 1939 American musical fantasy film, Dorothy Gale, fictional character created by American author L. Frank Baum as the protagonist in many of his Oz novels. So here is the quote, and we all love this. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Sarah, give me about a two-minute relationship of this quote to our topic. Go ahead. Sure. So first of all, I absolutely love this movie. I remember uh, growing up as a kid and my mom explaining the first time she saw color on television, uh, which is pretty incredible considering we're all here now talking about AI and, and cloud technologies. Uh, But really what this phrase means is we're in a strange or an unfamiliar place or situation. And I believe that the evolution of the cloud has fundamentally changed how we live our lives. Like you accurately said, Bonnie, it's really our infrastructure, even when we're not really aware or cognizant of the change. And I've thought about this. Imagine if you were away on some desert island the last 15 years and you just returned to society. Um, you would be absolutely amazed at mobile phone capabilities. Wow, the the internet's super fast now. Prevalence of streaming, like Bippin said, um, right? And this has all been enabled by the cloud. And I think in the future, we're going to see an even greater impact on our lives. And the quote from The Wizard of Oz also speaks well to the topic today. We're going to be making some wild predictions on how cloud is going to impact our everyday lives in the future. And I think the really cool thing about it is the technology is pretty much here. It's just a matter of implementing it. So uh, that's what this quote meant for me, Bonnie. Thank you very much. No, we are not in floppy disk Kansas anymore, are we? (laughs) No, we're not. Okay. Uh, Let's move on. Thank you, Sarah. Love the quote. Always happy to see that one. And isn't it interesting that a 1939 movie is still available today and you are able to watch it when you want and show it to your kids and some of us to our grandchildren. That's part of who knew, you know, what was a movie? There was some real, some guy was spinning it on, on some device in the back of a room in a movie thing. Maybe. I don't know what they had. Anyway, let's move on. Chris Aaron has sent us a quote from Benjamin Button, played by Brad Pitt in the movie The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, a 2008 American fantasy romantic drama film. The genres are so blended now, Chris, so we have a fantasy romantic drama film, three three genres in one. Uh, it's, let's see, directed by David Fincher, the story line, blah, 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 based on the 1922 short story of the same name by F. Scott Fitzgerald. I didn't know that. 
Brad Pitt stars as a man who ages in reverse and Kate Blanchett as a love interest throughout his life. And the supporting cast was wonderful as well. Here's the quote. This is heavy. Our lives are defined by opportunities, even the ones we miss. I think I'm getting chills from that one. Chris, rescue me. What does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Well, like Sarah was just saying, right, the technology is there, right? And, um, you know, it's just a case of implementing these these use cases, right? And it, it's limited by our imagination, right? So I guess I like the, first of all, I like that movie, you know, and uh, and I, I think, yeah, we, we're defined by all this opportunity in front of us, right? And um, Sarah was talking about somebody coming back from a desert island. I wonder if they went back to the desert island and came back another 20 years from now, right? How how fast everything is, is moving now. Um, you know, everybody has a, a smartphone pretty much, right? Even in the developing world. And as Vipa mentioned, the pandemic's going to change everybody's lives, right? The new normal. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting what opportunities are taken by the human race, right? Um, ones that are taken for, you know, the benefit of mankind, you know. Um, last week, right, you've got those Branson and Elon Musk, right? Then the space race, right? That there's a lot of investment in that. I read somebody was paying 26 million to go on a space flight. So imagine what you could do with 26 million in the cloud, right? What you could build. Um, so yeah, I think that there's an example of opportunity cost, right? Using that money to go to space for 10 minutes in space. Maybe we should use that 26 million to benefit society. So. There's something deep for you. Well, some people think going to the cloud, going to the moon, going to space will be benefiting society because we'll be opening opening up new opportunities. But it's interesting. I read that it's $55 million for a seat on an eight-day space tourism flight at some point in the future with Branson or Musk. $55 million. So I want you all to be saving your pennies, okay? <laughs> Maybe we could pull them together and one of us could go. I Sarah, you look like you want to jump in on something. Did you want to say something or you just, Wow. I would love to go to space. That's all. <laughs> would you really? Wow. Interesting. Well, Branson went to the edge of space, I understood. And if you, if you saw the images, it, it looked like a triple plane. And then the two outer parts separated. And the main one was the one that came back down to Earth. And I was just so grateful that they were safe. That was, we all have memories of not safe space journeys. So, yes. Yeah, so I was happy about that. But it is opening up the idea of space tourism and and being able to make that happen, not a government agency, but a private person who, who made those billions. Chris, we can't tell him how to spend his billions, but we can hope that some of us will be able to benefit from how, how they do spend them. I'm going to get off my soapbox here. Vipin, we have a fabulous quote for from you from Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by Alec Guinness. Star Wars, of course, 1977. And here's a long genre here, an American epic space opera media franchise. There we go. The original film Star Wars were retroactively subtitled Episode 4, Roman numeral 4, A New Hope. And Obi-Wan Kenobi was a legendary Jedi master, a noble man gifted in the ways of the Force. He trained Anakin Skywalker, served as a general in the Republic Army during the Clone Wars, and guided Luke Skywalker as his mentor. Here's the quote, six little words, May the force be with you. I get chills when I hear that one too. Vipin, how'd you find this one for our show today? Talk to me. 
Uh, thank you, Bonnie. I, I honestly didn't remember the context, you know, but this this was a very old movie that I uh, I saw, uh, and and this this quote just remained with me. It's kind of become a, my my life principle as well. Uh, so and and when this topic of the future of now came, and it it was the first thought, it it just crossed my mind. I thought, hey, no, I'll I'll put it this on. I don't know who said it, but I just remember that. You know, and and this means to me uh, and personally and for this topic is. The change is constant, you know, and 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 as you say, uh, change is constant. As Sarah said, technology is here for us to embrace it. It's just on up uh, upon us to embrace that technology, uh, you know, embrace those opportunities provided by those technologies, and and get get things moving, you know, uh, and and that's 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 what it is. It's, it's all on us. Uh, the, as the force is on us to embrace the technology and embrace the new opportunities offered offered by the new technologies technologies in the world. Thank you very much. There is a force, there is an infrastructure, there is something happening around us, whether we know it, whether we like it, whether we acknowledge it, it is who we are today. And by the way, Chris, I don't go with the idea of a new normal. I call it the new reality because it changes from second to second, minute to minute, nanosecond to nanosecond. It is that's reality right now. And in 30 seconds, it might be a different reality. So I've given up on normal. I don't think that we're ever going to see normal again. It's a moving target. And Madhu, I'm going to your quote now. This is interesting. The quote is from Walter White, played by Brian Cranston, to his wife, Skylar, played by actress Anna Gunn. Of course, Breaking Bad, American neo-Western crime drama TV series, 62 episodes from 2008 to 2013. And the quote I'm going to read is from the episode called Cornered, which was season four, episode six. How's that for research, Madhu? I hope you're impressed. And here is the quote. I am not in danger, Skylar. I am the danger. Ooh, Madhu, <laughs> tell us what this portends. Go ahead, you're up. <laughs> yeah, again, this is not to scare uh, anyone or, you know, that I do anything outside of what I do every day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. So, uh, you know, this is primarily our, you know, a story about Mr. Walter White in, you know, who, who's a common school teacher, high school chemistry teacher, and then suddenly faced with a terminal illness and, you know, suddenly faced with the idea of getting extinct. He transforms himself into this powerful drug lord. And it only shows his uh, meticulous planning and passion in chemistry that kind of led him to where <clears throat> he wanted to be. Now, so I'm not rooting for the career path he's chosen, but definitely, you know, what I admire about this whole thing is it, it kind of shows you know, if you're passionate about one thing and if you're good at one thing, you you find creative ways to transform yourself to being more relevant before becoming you know becoming extinct. Like you know, I, I similarly, I feel that the organizations or people have to embrace the change uh, instead of just sticking to what they know and becoming a danger to themselves. Then you know just going out there and get into the market and be the danger to the market rather than to themselves. So, you know, this is something which kind of, uh, you know, I always feel, and this is a dialogue which I keep telling at my home, you know, and my kids kind of make fun of this whenever they see me. So this, this is a household dialogue for us right now. Well, you tell your kids to stop making fun of you because you're telling the truth. You're, you've got the future right there in front of you and you're helping them see it. So, you tell them we'll be there to defend you. Thank you very much, Madhu. <laughs> now we're going to get to our predictions. I think we've been talking about predictions all along since we started the show. So if you're just tuning in, this is 
Technology Revolution, the future of now, presented by me, Bonnie D. Graham, and Ryan Treasure at Voice America Radio. And our topic today is the future of the cloud. What has it done for you lately? What's it doing already? More than you probably know. So we're going to go to our predictions lightning round right now. And Sarah Lottman is up first. Sarah, I'm going to read just two lines from your first prediction because it's long in detail, which I appreciate very much, and ask you to spend about two to three minutes unpacking it. To the panel, if you have anything you want to say about Sarah's prediction, raise your hand. Teacher, teacher, call me, call me, and I will call you. Otherwise, I'm going to move quickly through predictions. I've got one already teed up for Chris, one teed up for Vipin, and Madhu, I'll put yours in the chat in a minute. So Sarah, I'm going to turn to you. You say, sending and receiving emails as we know it today will be a thing of the past. I'm going to stop right there. Talk to me, Sarah. This is revolutionary or evolutionary prediction. Go ahead. Yeah, right. So today we're heavily reliant uh, upon emails to communicate with people globally. Um, And companies like Google already have built-in AI, uh, right? Gmail uses predictive algorithms to automate the manual typing of email responses. And technologies like machine learning and AI, they're enabled because of cloud computing. And if you look at companies like Amazon and, and of course, Google, they're investing big time in AI. And I see the technology really being refined and perfected, uh, removing the burden of having to type email responses by hand. And I'm going to use Gmail really as my example, because by far, it's the most used email service globally today. And I'm sure everyone has noticed when you draft a new email on Gmail or you're responding to somebody, uh, Google's leveraging AI to predict exactly what the response should be. And then I can just hit tab and it'll type the sentence for me, which is really cool. It saves a ton of time and it ensures there's no fat finger spelling mistakes, uh, you know, eliminating the potential for human errors. And the other thing is AI is not just limited to the typing of emails. So Google also has built in intelligence around determining how your email should be labeled and then presented to me as the end user. And I'm sure I know we were talking about AOL. Uh, Everybody remembers when your inbox would just get flooded with spam. But with this new feature, uh, it really eliminates spam. It tags them and puts them into appropriate folders where my inbox, all I see are important uh, emails. And so, again, I see AI just continuing to be refined, and it's going to fundamentally change the way that we use emails in the future. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And communications is such a hot topic, Sarah. And I know a lot of young people are using a platform called Clubhouse to talk and respond. And I had, interestingly enough, on this show last week, two weeks ago, I had a panel of people talking about the resurgence of the art of letter writing, actually taking a piece of paper and taking a pen or another writing implement and writing a letter and putting a stamp on it and sending it to people around the world. And there's a young man in Hawaii named Alexi Katko, who is he has a, a clubhouse show, Hawaii Time, every night, and he reads seven letters of encouragement he sent to people around the world on Clubhouse, and he wrote a book, 1,000 Letters. And So talking about communications, and are, are we getting away from the human qualities of caring and expressing and sitting down and writing that letter, or are we relying on predictive 
right? Predictive algorithms to finish a sentence for us. And it's all good because we are communicating. That's my pontification on that. Anybody have anything to say about that? Everybody's done. Chris, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say my kids are at camp this week and my wife has, you know, very kindly organized us to write letters to the kids every day. And yeah, my arm is, you know, the muscle memory, the writing, it's, you know, I'm not used to it. So yeah, there's a real time example. Yes, a real-time example yeah. indeed. Madhu, go ahead. I think you have something to say. Yeah, I mean, so writing these days has become uh, such a you know niche skill. Even you know the most valued present on I get from anybody or my kids on my birthday is a handwritten, handmade greeting card than any of the gifts which I get from anybody, right? So those hold much more value and still have so much uh, connection to the sender and the receiver. So in future, as Sarah said, when everything goes automated, this will be even more precious. Yes. Thank you very much. Let's move to Chris. And by the way, I just got a note from Vipin reminding me he has to leave at quarter of. So we're going to get a couple of his predictions and we're going to squeeze him in before he has to leave us. We've got lots to talk about. Vipin, thank you for the reminder. And we are glad you can join us. So Chris, prediction number one, you say by 2025, and that's not that far away, via the cloud... There will be 1 trillion connected sensors, 100 per person on the planet and growing, transforming industries and user experiences. And if you want to use that to talk a little bit about healthcare and agriculture, that's fine. We're going to save the driverless cars for one of Vipin's predictions. So go ahead, Chris, talk to us. Yeah. So picking on what we were saying earlier, right, the technology is already there, right? Uh, I think if you have a smartphone, right, how many sensors that has. Um, And when you're in your house, you know, that not everybody has a NAS system or a Wi-Fi system, but those are all sensors, right? So what what's happening is this uh, acceleration, right, of deployment, you know, smart fridges, smart washing machines, smart microwaves, right? And as, as Sarah's talking about this AI, uh, right now everything's sort of manual. You still have to interact with all these sensors, but what's going to happen over the next couple of years is these sensors will be there and there'll be this automation that is taking place where thankfully you're taken out of the middle, right? So, you know, to, to extrapolate, right. You, you'll be running out of milk in the fridge, your fridge will tell, you know, the supermarket you're out of milk and before you know it, the milk will arrive and you just have to put it in the fridge, right? So this is really what's happening in terms of healthcare. What's happening is people are having sensors implanted in their bodies. Initially it's just monitoring, you know, your glucose, levels or your pacemaker, right? Um, But to get really far-fetched, right, you're going to have augmented intelligence implanted in your body as well. And and so, yeah, these sensors are not going away. And uh, we're going to be cyborgs in the future, right? We're going to have all this uh, technology embedded in our bodies, um, you know, wearing spectacles with information coming from the cloud. So, yeah, it's going to be a pretty scary uh, future, I think. Very, very interesting. And I remember the TV show, The Bionic Man. Yes, I'll call on Sarah and then Vipin. Interesting. And, and when we're all so connected, what will be left of us as humans, of humanity? And will there be any privacy? We'll talk about that with Vipin's prediction in a minute. Vipin, you want to say something? Go ahead. And then Sarah, I'll call on you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I would say Chris, um, Chris' prediction is, is interesting, but at the, at the same time, it's, it's scary, you know, and uh, it has got a lot of elements to it, like the privacy, the security. Um, so, some, I mean, the, the adoption could could happen. I'm not saying adoption will not happen, 
um, but the, and the, the technology is there, but we have to really sort out all those privacy issues and the security issues for really that adoption to happen, right? In other words, that ecosystem needs to be ready for that adoption. But yeah, would it improve our lives? Yes, absolutely, no doubt about that. Um, but more importantly, the privacy and security would have to be really be addressed as well in the context. Who owns our data? Once we're connected, yeah. who owns our data? We become vehicles of data production machines. Sarah, talk to us. I thought I saw you raise your hand. Yeah. So one thing you said, Chris, that people are going to be walking around with glasses with data being fed to them from the cloud. Um, I read just this week that Apple is going to release Apple glasses in 2025 which I found very interesting. And everybody remembers Google Glasses, right? And then that kind of flopped. I think that was done too early. But if, if Apple can pick it up and integrate it seamlessly with your phone, your watch, everything else, I could see it being very widely successful. So I'm excited for 2025. <laughs> Too early. Interesting comment, Sarah. I, uh, I had a, a close friend, shall we say, many years ago, whose children decided for either his birthday or Christmas, they were going to give him something called an Apple iPhone. This was before the major popularity of smartphones. And he got it and he opened the box and he brought it over to me. He said, what in the blank am I supposed to do with this thing? <laughs> there, it wasn't widely understood. It wasn't widely adopted. We had to look yeah. everywhere for what do you do it? How do you do the same? He was not a tech person at <laughs> all. And in the gift was thoughtful, but maybe not. And the timing was off. And Sarah, your, your comment was right spot on, is when is it too early? When are we not ready either as users or as, as uh, being part of the ecosystem of the data that's coming out of all of this connectivity from the cloud? So a lot of ethical and I think social and, and just personal utilization issues. What do we really want to spend our time on? How much time do you spend going through the things on your phone that you... Maybe it's fun. I don't know. Anyway, let's move on. So thank you very much, Chris. Good prediction. Vipin, we're going to do, I'm going to do two predictions because I know you have to leave in about six minutes and I want to give you some fair time here. So Vipin, prediction number two, you say self-driving cars powered by quantum computing in the cloud will improve travel efficiency with options like smart routing. So Vipin, take us through that and then I'll put your number three into the chat for you. Go ahead. Absolutely. So first we start with a little bit of quantum computing 101, right? It is very similar to the classic classic computing, but it operates on something called qubits. And think of like qubits, like uh, the classical bits, but which are put on steroids to run extremely fast, you know, incredibly fast. So, uh, you know, also something like uh, that computer uh, can bring in, in our enormous value to uh, the life, uh, to, to, our, to our lives. And, and where I see this making a real, real good impact and progress is in the way we travel, you know, um, so one with uh, definitely the self-driving cars. Now, hey, you know, today we have self-driving cars, but it requires definitely the person behind the wheel. You know, we have seen different things happening behind uh, self-driving sort of self-driving car, like uh, Teslas, of course. Um, but we still need some someone like. And, and when I'm talking about self-driving car with a quantum computing that would be empowered by quantum computing, I'm really talking about a truly self-driving car. You know. I don't know when the world will be ready. Maybe in in next decade, or maybe after or in in a couple of decades for 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 such a technology or for such a thing. So, what quantum computing will help enable is, you know, with uh, a self-driving car essentially uses artificial intelligence and deep deep learning. And with quantum computing, what it would enable is, you know, over the really at the edge of artificial intelligence and quantum computing, right? So, whenever the car has not faced, uh, or whenever the car faces uh, uh, an unknown situation. 
you, you can quickly get into uh, in, into your content computer behind the scene uh, at, at the network, you know, uh, calculate it and get it back, get it feed it, feed it back to the console, feed it back to your car, uh, feed it back to your car in, in, in a matter of maybe nanoseconds or, or maybe even less time so the car can course correct. So that is going to definitely improve the self-driving capabilities of the car. You know, on the other hand side, what it will also help us enable is uh, in, in smart routing, right? Uh, this car's called, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, self-driving cars on board. These cars could enable or maybe talk to each other. You know, there could be a vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle, uh, communication that could happen. There could be a, a car, a vehicle-to-infrastructure, you know, somewhere in, somewhere in the cloud, our uh, communication happens or, happens or computing. And they could be able to, you know, self-manage a traffic situation on the road. You know, this car could say, hey, you know, what hey, car, I mean, why don't you go right and I'll, I'll take a left turn to the same, same destination. And that way we can avoid the traffic at maybe a critical, critical junction. Uh, this is, is is going to you know define define the way that we are going to travel. Of course, this also would define you know the, some of the industries like logistics, supply chain industries, you know, and and um, and so on and so forth. Where I see uh, a good good impact uh, of of this on the self driving cars um, and and the self driving technologies, uh, the way it would it would interact. Now, also a word of caution, you know, I mean, we know that quantum computing uh, at, at at moment requires big rooms. You know, it, it's still in its nascency stages. Um, of how our early uh, today's generation computers were. Um, it requires you to be stored in zero Kelvin uh, temperatures. So um, I, I'm not expecting this to come in, in next, next decade, but maybe in a couple of decades, we'll definitely see a big improvement, you know, and driverless cars and smart routing changing and improving our lives for better. Thank you. If you haven't, any of you haven't seen or have seen the, I think it's a prime series upload. Take a look at the opening scene in the futuristic show upload about a self-driving car that got the wrong data. Bam! Anyway, that's the premise for it, getting him up to somewhere where he chooses his future. Totally different. Uh, Vipin, let's just do quickly. I know you have to leave in two minutes. And Madhu, I'm going to tee up your, your prediction. So Vipin says, robots powered by cloud computing will take over surgical operations by 2025. Do not scare us, Vipin. Please make this as, as congenial as you can. Go ahead. I'll say this is this is this is this is for the good thing that 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 would happen. You know, I mean, uh, one thing we talk about very uh, very frequently these days is the five G technology. You know, and and what five G is all about is is uh, enhanced broadband internet speed, incredible incredible speed. One one good thing that would help enable this is, of, of course, other than the good streaming experience or gaming experience, I see a re really good social cost to uh, this this technology and getting getting enabled. And that is, you know, in the remote health and uh, in, in the remote health management, um, you know, and, and this could this could actually enable, you know, where the doctors are not present, you could maybe employ a robot there, and this robot could really communicate on a real time basis, powered by, of course, the artificial intelligence as well, using the five G technologies with doctors sitting somewhere else and and doing really a, a health diagnosis, like as if, as if the same doctor was doing it, right? And and on top of that, hey, you know, I mean, these robots can further do. And, and learn using the enormous network speed that 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 will uh, that will enable, and and of, of course this enormous network speed again would be powered by artificial intelligence and, and and deep learning technologies, you know, to really learn and do some of the surgical operations. Maybe to start with the small operations. I know a lot of small operations are still done by robots. Uh, maybe, maybe you know, and, and going forward, this this could help uh, really help enable remote uh, healthcare, you know, improve people's lives in, in ways we could imagine. 
Thank you very much. I, yeah. I did have a surgeon. Uh, oh, I've been in North Carolina for three and a half years now. I had a TV show when I was on Long Island in New York called Something to Talk About. And I had a friend who had robotically assisted surgery. And we brought his surgeon on the TV show to talk about the robotic remote assistance for the surgery. It was prostate cancer surgery. And it was just fascinating. And we're talking probably 10 12 years ago that we talked about that. So it's coming to its own. Vipin, it's 11.45 a.m. here. We're going to say goodbye to you. Thank you for joining. I know you're on a time constraint today. Uh, we appreciate it. I'll send you the video later, and you're going to drop off. And Madhu, I'm going to go to your prediction number. Thank you for having four. me. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you, dear. Good to see you. Be well. Feel good. Okay? Yeah. And Madhu, I'm going to your prediction number four, which is a new topic for us. You say 3D cloud printing has long passed the point of being viewed only as a prototyping solution. Everyday companies are finding new ways to incorporate the technology into their production. I'm going to stop there and let you explain this to us because this is fascinating. Go ahead, Madhu. Thanks, Moni. Yes. So 3D printing, uh, it came, you know, it was in the market for the last few years. We understand what 3D printing is and we're happy seeing those toys being printed out. And, you know, we have a sense of achievement. We've seen this in the engineering lands. But now companies are scaling up, uh, not just for, uh, you know, just the showcase anymore. They are actually printing um, real-time utility items. One, they are selling in the market. Two, they're trying to put in these uh, to, you know, to manufacture some of the uh, you know, cars. Or the biggest part is, the, the technology and the investments which are going in to printing 3D, uh, you know, body parts. It, it may sound uh, from Star Trek at this point, but, you know, it is uh, coming to a reality where, you know, printing organs for people who really need it would, is a real game changer and which we are moving in the right direction in, in that space. And um, I was also reading an article recently that, you know, um, HP has started, not, not HP, but there was a company, I think, in Netherlands, which has started um, printing food. Now, it is still a prototype. They're printing food. And right now, the, the, the raw material for that is the, the food, which is not presentable, which is not in the supermarkets, goes into this. And then they kind of print it and bake it in such a way that it's ready for sale. So, you know, it changes everything. Now, at some point when five years, 10 years down the line, when the, you know, we are hit with not just a pandemic, but, you know, but there will be situations where you cannot go out anymore because of the heat or the global warming. What we have seen in California, it's about 130 last couple of weeks. And so <clears throat> in these situations where survival becomes of utmost importance, you know, these kind of come in, these technologies will definitely come in handy for you to make survival the important part. So that is where I see this technology is heading towards. 3D printing is the future for food or clothing or making your own house or, or your own parts at home. So that's where we are heading, I think. Thank you, Madhu. Very interesting. And I think uh, Chris Aaron wants to say something. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, so we were talking earlier about the space race and how we all benefit from space. So uh, NASA recently led a competition where they're trying to use 3D printing to print organs. And um, a company was able to print a liver that was able, out of gel, uh, to function and, and clean uh, the blood supply for 30 days. So, you know, NASA's angle is that when people go to Mars, 
they're going to be a long way from home. And, and to Madhu's point, they're not going to be able to go outside when they're in the Mars uh, space station. So they'll need technology like uh, 3D printing to print food and print organs if you know they're in dire straits out there. And so, yeah, I think that's really going to drive uh, commercial availability of 3D printing of organs by 2030 is sort of the time frame we're looking at. And uh, I'm sure we all know uh, friends, family that have suffered cancer and or had to have organs removed. So, yeah, I think this, this space is really important. And, uh, you know, the cloud is empowering it, right, because of all that centralized processing and learning from all the mistakes that are made and making sure that organs, when they're in a body, are reliable and, and, and do their job. So I think, yeah, very exciting. Very interesting. And and one of the questions that arises, I know that in terms of just airport security is getting weapons through that were made out of plastic on a 3D printer. What about body parts? You know, people who have, have in metal insertions, titanium knees, right? And uh, different body parts where surgery has been done very often don't pass through the medical metal detector. So uh, we just wonder that. So it raises so many questions. And, and Madhu, about the 3D food Seriously, what will the nutrition panel say? You know, will they say organic 3D printed food in a separate aisle in the in the vegetable department, for example? And will the price be three times as much as non-organic food? No pest. Well, how would you put pesticides into a 3D printer? I don't know. But this, we need to do a whole show on this. This is exciting. We have time for one more prediction. Sarah Lotman, I'm going to throw it over to you. You say mobile gaming will take off, changing the way traditional video game consoles are made. I'm going to stop there. Sarah, take it over. Take about two minutes, and then we'll go around and see what everybody has to say. Go ahead, Sarah. Sure. So I believe mobile gaming is just right now scratching the surface, but eventually it'll take over traditional consoles that are used today. Uh, Apple has already bet big on mobile gaming with the release of Apple Arcade. And then other software companies have been making games for Android phones for years and years. And as we see graphics and computing speed continue to get better on our mobile phones, this is a really hot market that has yet to reach its full potential. Um, The other thing, right, when we talk about the cloud is You know, Apple's Arcade, it's fully hosted on the cloud. And because it's scalable uh, and it's affordable, you know, people have instant access to over 180 games for under $5 a month. And on this topic, I think about my little nephews. They're three and eight. And they do have traditional gaming consoles, but the games are super expensive. It's 70 bucks a pop for a, a full game on a PlayStation or an Xbox. And I know my sister tells them, no, you, you can download some games on your phone. It's $3 uh, instead of 70. So um, like I said, I think this is something that is just scratching the surface and it has the potential to take over uh, video games as we know it today. Thank you, Sarah. I'm going to squeeze in one more. We have literally four and a half minutes left to the show. Chris Aaron, you say implantable communication devices will be available commercially and adopted by 2025. The mobile phone of the future, I'm scared to say this, will be implanted in your head. And you say there was a CNET article. Chris, really? Talk to me. Talk to us. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we spoke about privacy and and control of that data, but there are going to be people out there 
that I want to be on that cutting edge, right? And, and experiencing those experiences. So, you know, picking up on what Sarah was talking about, about mobile gaming, you know, you think about Pokemon Go, right? Where I think it was two, three years ago, you'd see people walking around the park, you know, collecting tokens, but it looked really weird from a, uh, outsider perspective if you weren't playing the game. And so imagine how that experience could be enhanced if, you know, instead of holding a phone, looking at a screen, you know, we're talking about uh, connected spectacles before, right? If everything is going on within your head, uh, it becomes much more immersive, right? And, uh, you know, I think of that movie Ready Player One, right, where they were talking about the future of everybody just living in this oasis all the time and not participating in the real world because Oasis was so much more attractive. And so, yeah, the future's coming, you know, whether we're ready for it or not, and we may become dinosaurs, right? The next generation may be a lot more embracing of these capabilities. You know, it'll just be natural for them to take advantage of all these experiences. Chris, we're not going to become dinosaurs because we're on shows like this talking about it and we're aware of it. We might not be able to stop it. We might not embrace or buy or use all of it, but we're aware. And and look at, listen, my mom was 100 when she passed away three years ago and she used to listen to one of my radio shows when she was in her mid-90s. She listened online on the computer and she used to do research on her computer for one of her groups her current events groups that met in the building where she lived she wasn't in a care facility she was in a regular apartment building and she had a, a mobile phone but the adoption rate of, of her friends who were in their 90s their kids would say okay here's a laptop mom or grandma and they'd say nah i'd rather pick up the phone and call somebody i don't need a cell phone i don't need a laptop what are you talking about but there wasn't a, a start of an adoption in people who were centenarians it, it, and my mom was one of them and it was amazing to me that she could actually we had a flip phone but we bookmarked my radio show Monday nights and she listened to it online in her 90s. Can you imagine that? And I had a cousin in California who did the same thing in his 90s. So I don't think, Chris, we're endangered of being dinosaurs. If we are, we'll be very connected, very smart, very, we'll be the precursors of the new modern users of all of this technology. That would mean my prediction. We have to get ready to, to go. So I want to say thank you so much, Sarah Lotman. I'm so appreciative of your taking your time, appreciative of you and, and Deloitte, everybody there. I have a show called The Kinetic Enterprise with Deloitte, as you know. That's one of my radio shows. We're doing a live show this Friday. Chris Aaron, it's always wonderful to see you and hear you and you've been on so many SAP Game Changer shows with me. Shout out to Vipin V, who had to leave us a little bit early. He's fine. He just had to go somewhere. And I have to be careful saying that. And Madhu Angara, thank you so much for joining us. A pleasure to meet you. And thank you to Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinaire. Aaron started out working with me three years ago when he was 26, and he's now 62. Wow. Okay, everybody gets that. <laughs> we put him through his paces. He's, he's still alive and well. 30 seconds. And I want to say to our audience, I want you all to raise your finger. Madhu, raise your finger. And Chris and Sarah, I want you to wiggle your finger at our audience. If you think that the future is already here, you're wrong because that was yesterday's future. Right, Chris? Right, Madhu? Right, that was yesterday's future. The future of now hasn't happened yet. It's about to, and we're all going to do our best to make it a better one. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for Technology Revolution. Wave goodbye. Bye-bye, Voice America. Bye-bye, LinkedIn. Bye-bye, Facebook. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. 
Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh,